Hey, Merry Christmas. Pastor Wolfmuller here, pastor of St. Paul and Jesus Deaf Lutheran Churches in Austin, Texas. I've been listening to some Luther sermons on Christmas, which are just phenomenal. His preaching on Christmas is so wonderful. And this one, which is the fourth sermon for Christmas on the song of the praise of the angels. I don't think I recorded back when I was recording these podcasts, so I thought I'd put it here for you, add it to the list. Uh, If you go to wolfmuller.co, and you look at the audio button down to Martin Luther Sermons, click on that. You can see, oh, I don't know, 30, no, 60, 70 sermons of Luther that are recorded there. Here's another one. The fourth sermon for Christmas, the song of the praise of the angels. This, by the way, is from a translation of Luther's House Postals published in Columbus, Ohio, 1884. J.A. Schulze, publisher, text that's in the public domain. In the preceding sermons for this festival, we considered, first of all, the Christmas story itself and saw how the Son of God was born of the Virgin Mary. This story was written and is annually preached throughout the Christian church that we should become well acquainted with it and be moved by it to give heartfelt thanks to God for his great mercy and condescension toward us as manifested in his birth of his Son. We also considered the heavenly tidings of the angels, proclaiming with great glory this birth to the shepherds upon the fields of Bethlehem, in which act God passed by the proud lords of Jerusalem and sent his glorious message down from heaven to the poor shepherds in the fields. Yea, the holy angel following the example of Christ as Lord became so lonely, so lowly and did not deem it an unbecoming task to preach to the poor shepherds that most glorious tiding which we still possess and which shall remain among Christians until the end of time. From this story and example, we learn what humble spirits the angels are, who are free from all pride. It would be well if all who think themselves to be wise and saintly people and mighty lords would learn from this example not to be proud on account of their skill, wisdom, power, and other gifts, nor to despise others as their inferiors. Surely, If great gifts and accomplishments ought thus to be regarded, the holy angels would have reason enough to look down with scorn upon the poor shepherds, but they do not act thus, and though the shepherds are simple and common people, yet the angels do not consider themselves too holy nor too exalted, right willingly and gladly to bring them these tidings. Thus should we also do, applying our talents and all humility to comfort and assist others, despising no one. This would be following the example of Christ, as we have seen in the first sermon. He despises no one. But as he came down from heaven, poor and needy, into this world, so he is pleased to see poor and miserable persons coming upon or unto him for help. Hence he is very properly called a helper, a savior. The haughty lords of Jerusalem thought of no such a savior. They needed him not. But the humble shepherds felt their need of him. And hence the angel first proclaims to them in a brief but glorious sermon where this treasure can be found, showing us all that depends upon our rejoicing in this Savior who came to liberate us from sin, death, and the devil, and hell. For the impact of the tiding is, unto you is born this day a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. These words are of no human origin. The wisest on earth know them not, but they are angelic words spoken from heaven for us. Thanks be unto God for these tidings forever and ever. If we this day read or hear these words, it is the same as though we heard them from the angel himself. The shepherds also did not see the angels. They merely saw the light and its splendor, 
but they heard the words, and now likewise canst read and hear them, if thou wouldst but open thine eyes and ears and learn properly to understand this message. These tidings are far different from those which Moses heard of the angel on Mount Sinai. When these were given, the people were much afraid, and their life was endangered by the lightning and thunder which shook the mountains, so that the whole people cried unto Moses, Would that God did not just thus preach to us from heaven? But do thou come and preach to us? Thee we would gladly hear, but here, when the holy angels come from heaven robed in light, the message has a different import. They begin their tidings as cheerfully as a heart full of agony could desire, proclaiming and singing that we must not be afraid, but rather rejoice with our whole heart, yea, even be proud and bold in our joy on account of this child who is our Savior and is called of the angels by a special name, Christ the Lord. This name contains the entire scriptures, for everything written in them points to this Savior, the Christ. The law had no remedy against sin and death. Good works and piety could not comfort or make the heart glad. This could only be done by Christ. This fact the angels have in view when they proclaim, This is he who shall be a substitute for all, through whom it is possible to obtain forgiveness of sins and to inherit eternal life, for he alone is the true Redeemer and Savior. This truth expels at once every doctrine and religion which attempt, without Christ, to lead men to heaven. If Christ alone is the Savior, then neither his mother Mary, nor St. Peter, nor St. Paul can be such, nor can St. Augustine, Bernard, Francis, Dominic, with all their regulations, avail anything in this respect, although the Pope and his priests have thus far directed the people to the intercession of the saints, to monasticism and other vain ceremonies. Does this agree with the tiding of the angels? Does this correspond to the beautiful hymn, A Little Child So Glorious, etc., etc.? No. To the glory of our Savior Christ, and to the discomfiture of ourselves, the Pope and all self-righteous saints, we sing, If this child had not been born, we would all have been forlorn. If, without Christ, we are all lost, then will the monk with his observances and the priest with his masses also be lost. No one is accepted. Never by means of their monkish rules, fasting, and prayer can they be saved. Only through Christ is this possible, who alone is the Redeemer and Savior. As these tidings of the angel contain a new revelation, and do not threaten the wrath of God and everlasting damnation as the law does, but rather bring comfort and joy and salvation, to those who are accursed by the law and fear and tremble, the song of the angels rings joyously in harmony with the message. Many thousands come from heaven to be present when these tidings are made known, and right willingly they form themselves into a company of singers, beginning a song so charming that as the tidings themselves were incomparably beyond all others, so was this song of praise exceedingly beautiful, divine, for never before did the world hear such a song as this, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. The song has a threefold meaning. In the first place, we must not understand it as teaching us what we should do, but as showing that thanks and honor shall now be given to God because the Savior is born. The angels mean to say, ere this child was born, there was not in the world but blasphemy and idolatry for all that is without Christ. 
no matter how grand and glorious it may be, is but blasphemy. If God is to be God indeed, that is, if people are to honor him and worship him as God, it must be done through this child. Thus, alone it is possible for us to know and to be certain that God is a kind, compassionate, and merciful God who has even sent his own Son into our flesh and blood on our account. This great unspeakable benefit prompts and moves the hearts to open themselves unto him in true love, confidence, and hope, praising and thanking him for such mercy. Of this result the angels sing, proclaiming that God shall now be honored in the highest, not with good works which cannot raise to heaven, but with the heart which lifts itself up from the earth and in such thanksgiving and holy trust soars aloft to God our merciful Father. Where the child, Jesus, is not known, it is impossible to honor God aright. The entire world, even his chosen people, was full of idolatry before the birth of Christ. One went here, the other there, to worship, erecting as many altars as there were beautiful trees in the forest, as the prophets tell us. They were so idolatrous that while they sought God earnestly, they did this merely through sacrifices, fasting, and penances, wherewith no one was benefited except the devil. He received the honor due unto God. This is the greatest dishonor and blasphemy which God meets in the world and which arises from not knowing Christ. To this, thanks be to God, there shall now be an end as the angel sings, the people shall now no longer honor the devil or themselves, but God in the highest. Another and even more gross dishonor is that men worship money, possessions, and the like. Verily of such idolatry the world is full. Just see how kings and princes, tradesmen and farmers do homage to this rough log and idol, this shameful mammon, this miserable makeshift, as though, though everything depended on him while they neglected the true support, the Savior the child Jesus, even despising him and becoming so mad and foolish that they reject and persecute him. Thus God is blasphemed and dishonored on every side, on the one hand by a subtle idolatry, by self-righteousness and pretended holiness, on the other by a more gross idolatry which enthrones mammon in the heart instead of God. The angels sing, This also shall be changed now that this light, the newborn child, begins to shine, Henceforward, people will look no longer to their own holiness and righteousness. They will care not for father nor mother, for gold or wealth, but will accept only this Savior and give themselves unto him with their whole heart. Then will God be truly honored and known and praised. This devotion Adam lost through sin in paradise, and now this accursed custom cleaves to us, that we do not honor God nor seek our glory in him and through him, but rather in ourselves. Look at the Pope and the bishops. Money and riches they have plenty, but they will not honor God and spread his word. How, forsooth, could such big lords so full of dignity and power do this? Why, every boar who can play a bagpipe wants to be praised. If this is the feeling in regard to matters which might be called dung and dirt, and for which men desire honor and distinction, of course this will be much more the case with those who busy themselves with more pretentious matters, such as righteousness, holiness, good works, public virtues. With such people the devil is so much master of the situation that he easily prevents their giving thanks to God. They desire the glory for themselves. The whole human race is poisoned with this accursed vanity. From the time when the devil filled Adam and Eve with the desire to be like God, it adheres to us still. If God gives us skill, money, wealth, and authority, yea, 
If a housewife, miss, or a servant girl gets a new bonnet or dress, praise and admiration from others is expected. Since the child Jesus, the light that illumines the world has come. The angels can sing that now the honor due unto him is no longer neglected. And who will receive him shall say, and all who receive him shall say, My righteousness, holiness, wisdom, wealth, and authority are all naught, but the child Jesus is all in all. Thus God receives the honor that belongs to him. He becomes our strength, defense, and joy, our true wealth, in whom we trust with all confidence, comfort, and gladness, so that we can say to Mammon, whom the whole world serves and worships as a god, Thou affordest me comfort only in that when I have thee, I can eat of thee, and furnish the necessary raiment with thee, and that I can by, by thee feed and clothe others who are poor. Otherwise, I have no use for thee. To art and science, I will say, God has given me understanding and wisdom. These I will employ to his honor, and to the welfare of my fellow man. More they cannot do. My consolation, hope, and joy, I find neither in money nor in talents, but only in Christ Jesus the Lord, the Son of God. Properly to honor God and to acknowledge his majesty, we should say, Lord God, whatever we have is thine. We did not create it, thou gavest unto us. But the chief gift of thy mercy is our deliverance from sin and the devil, for which all honor and praise is due unto thee. It pleases God when we win such garlands of praise for him, when we give unto him all glory, claiming no honor for ourselves, but giving thanks unto him for the greatest, as well as for the least of his blessings. This lesson, then, is the first which is taught us in the Song of the Angels, in which they embrace everything we possess, but especially the spiritual gifts and true devotion, righteousness, holiness, wisdom, and good works. We are taught to confine these, not to this world, but to lift them heavenward and give all glory to God, and this can now be done through this little child, as the angels sing. The world reverses this lesson, as is very evident. Since they do not recognize nor respect this child, they run and strive only after their own honor. No one is content with his position. The day laborer wishes to be a merchant, the nobleman a prince, the king an emperor. Such desires are a clear sign that those who harbor, harbor them are without Christ and know him not. Such per persons pervert the song of the angels, and they sing, they sing, Hail here on earth, to the yellow gold and shining silver, to my authority, influence, and skill. Sing on, poor fellow, sing lustily, but be assured that yours is a donkey's song, beginning high up in the scale, but ending in misery, miserably flat. <laughs> Such a song honors man and mammon, yea, the errant devil in hell, but not to God in the highest. The second lesson of the Song of the Angels is contained in the words, peace upon earth. This lesson has a meaning similar to the first. It contains a wish and prophecy that henceforward prosperity and happiness on earth shall be with those who know and have, have accepted this child. What is the world without Christ? What else but a perfect hell and the kingdom of Satan, full of ignorance and contempt of God, yea, full of lies, cheating, avarice, gluttony, drunkenness, whoredom, strife, and murder, etc.? Thus the world acts. There is neither love nor confidence among men. One fears the other. Those who would escape deception and fraud must understand, quote, white to mean, quote, black. Even friends cannot be trusted and must sometimes be feared more than enemies. 
Thus the devil rules and guides the world so that everything goes wrong and no virtue and no peace can be found on earth. As the angels sang that they who know and accept this child shall give praise to God for all things, so they also sing and promise and comfort with these words that such tyranny of the devil will now have an end, that the Christians shall be peaceable with each other and lead a quiet life, willingly assisting and advising each other, avoiding all contention and discord, dwelling with each other in gentleness, having a peaceful government and a foreboding spirit, each one striving to excel and the other in, in doing good, and all this because this child is born. Such a result will follow, says the angel, if God is once honored and acknowledged as Lord from whom we have all things. Then we will, uh, then will the people be friendly toward each other. No one will hate, nor envy, nor despise the other, but each will rather consider the other better than himself, saying, Dear brother, do thou pray to God in my behalf. Then there shall be peace and happiness and abundance. For peace, in the Hebrew language, means everything good. Such a peaceable life ought to be among Christians each one endeavoring to please the other and avoiding what might give offense. Those who do otherwise do not heed the song of the angels, but listen to the howling of the wolf, the devil, who sings to them this song, continue to steal, to commit adultery, to murder, etc. This is the devil's song, which comes from hell. Among Christians, it must not thus be. They should do as the angel sings, who tells us so beautifully the spirit of true devotion. First, that we should leave all glory in heaven and praise and honor God alone. Secondly, that we should live in a brotherly spirit with each other on earth and not listen to the wicked insinuations nor follow the tyrannical ways of the devil. Thus the angels teach us in all the world, but they already see that the greater portion of mankind will not thus acknowledge the child Jesus and that much confusion on this account will arise, wherefore they add the third lesson in these words, good will toward men. That is, we the angels, fondly desire that the world would do as taught in the other lessons, that men would honor God in the highest and have peace among themselves. But we know that many will be found who will not receive the gospel nor accept the Son, rather persecute both. May God then grant the believers a joyful, glad heart to exclaim, I have a Savior, my heaven is mine, the Son of God is mine. Therefore, although I am scorned and persecuted and Though I suffer all manner of evil on account of this my confession and faith, yet I will not become impatient or angry, but will be content with no sorrow, nor trouble, nor persecution, however great shall deprive me of the pleasure and consolation which I have in this newborn child. Such a disposition the angels wish to all believers, so that they can be glad in adversity and sing when the devil rages, so that they may have peace and assurance in Christ to withstand all misfortune, and even to mock the devil when he would injure them, hurling into his face the words, Foolish devil, if thou canst injure me only as to my body, life, possessions, etc., thou mightest just as well leave me, for thou canst really do me no harm. I have a heavenly Savior who will abundantly console me in eternity for any temporal loss which I may suffer. This third lesson teaches us how we should have a joyful and bold spirit to meet all adversity, so that we can say to the devil, Thou shalt not succeed in thy evil attempt to rob me of my pleasure in this child. Such a heart is happy, glad, joyful, and courageous, even in adversity. For its blessings are of God through faith in Christ. It says to the devil in the world, On your account I shall not give up my joy, nor do I care for your anger. Do as you please. Christ gives me more happiness than you can cause me sorrow. 
such a heart the angels desire to have, and of such a one they sing. The world does not repeat this song of the angels, but tries to sing it after the tune of its god, the devil. Thus, glory to the devil in hell, strife upon earth, and ill will toward men. Satan causes his bride, which is the world, to sing thus, to blaspheme God, to persecute his word, after which follows contention, division, war, murder, etc., to such an extent that, on account of fear and trembling, no one can have a happy moment, nor joy his bite of bread. In this the devil is mighty, mightily assisted by the sects. They are his mouthpiece, slandering and blaspheming God in heaven through their false doctrine. The devil, with his song, resembling that of an owl, continues to arouse disturbances, setting princes and lords against each other, causing strife and deceitfulness, so that men become treacherous toward each other, doing the will of the devil and causing difficulties everywhere, so that people stand with trembling hearts and full of fear. Hence it happens that so many can be found who, in spite of all the bounteous blessings which God has bestowed upon them, do not enjoy a single moment of their life. Although cellar and buttery are full, such persons will be sad and cheerless, finding no real pleasure in anything which they possess. Thus the devil's pleasure is fulfilled, who at all times envies man every enjoyment which comes from God and his gifts. The angels, on the other hand, sing us a different song. They wish us a steadfast heart, which shall be bold and resolute amid the various trials and calamities of life. This, then, beloved hearers, is the song of the holy angels, which no other teaching nor books contain. By it we are instructed as to the true service of God, how we should realize in this Christ the mercy of God, and be prompted thereby to give ready thanks to him, who sent unto us and for us his Son, our Lord and Savior. Also, how we should live peaceably with one another. Finally, how we should in patience overcome all misfortune and rejoice always through Christ in this little child. The angels indeed composed their joyous, jubilant song with but a few words, yet everyone must readily perceive that it was not framed on earth, but that its home from which it came is heaven. May God our Father assist us through his Holy Spirit to retain this song and to order our lives according to it. This we pray through Jesus Christ, his Son, our Lord. Amen. That is the fourth sermon from the House Postal for Christmas Day on the Song of the Angels preached by or written by Dr. Martin Luther. I'm Pastor Brian Wolfmuller, St. Paul and Jesus Death Lutheran Church, wishing you also a very Merry Christmas. God's peace be with you.